something you pointed out when we started was we didn't want to have a golden handcuff strategy. We really wanted people to stay who wanted to be here, not who were overwhelmingly financially incentivized to be here. And I think how we design the grant vesting is ultimately what determines that piece of the culture. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the growing team here at Levels. We're a venture-funded startup backed by more than a thousand of our community members and some of the best VCs in the game, including Andreessen Horowitz. On this podcast, we talk about everything we do. We share the learnings about our culture and what we're building along the way. This is Inside the Company. As a startup, like many startups, we tend to figure out things in real time. And while we figure those things out, we share those insights with our community, with people who follow along in the journey as we build levels. And so one of the bridges that we're crossing now is this idea of equity at the four-year mark. Many companies' equity will vest over the course of four years. And as you approach that date, you want to make sure that you're incentivizing some of the early employees so that they stay around. You don't want to give them golden handcuffs by any means, but you want to make sure that they are incentivized to build and they are aligned in what is being built. And so we cross this path. We've got many of our earliest team members coming up to this four-year mark. We started thinking about what it looks like to have equity at different stages of the company. So Sam Korkos, co-founder and CEO of Levels, he sat down with Nicole Miller and Michael Mizrahi, and they discussed this idea of equity, vesting, and some of the incentives that you can think about as different team members approach different 10-year dates with the company. Anyway, no need to wait. Here's Sam, Miz, and Nicole. We're approaching the four-year mark. So we have a bunch of people who are going to be coming up on their cliffs soon, which is a good problem to have, but one that we have not had to address yet. So I I think I'm kind of interested, broadly speaking, the what are some of the approaches that companies take for this? What are the trade-offs of each? One of the things that always, this isn't to say that it's a bad approach, but one of the things that always seem kind of strange to me is uh, when people are given new equity grants really with no assumption that they will actually vest their equity from that period. Like they're given a four-year grant without really an expectation because they stack on top of each other or they're layered in some way. Um, And I know that some people take a more extreme approach for this. Like uh, I know that uh, I think it's Reid Hoffman and his companies, they they only have it's basically like a sports contract, like a four year contract. And when that's up, then they leave. Um, it's not it's not necessarily saying that's better or worse, just an interesting approach. So I'm, I'm curious what the options are for something like this and what uh, what the trade offs are of each of those approaches. It's probably worth also just defining so that we're all on the same page about what the kind of standard typical approach is. And then we can talk about the, the variants right. that exist and uh, the reasons for them and then kind of zero into what we want to incentivize and why. Um, I think the most standard approach is that when someone joins a company, they have an initial grant uh, and that grant vests over four years. There's a one-year cliff, so 25% vests on year one, and then it's 136 for every month after that for the remaining three years. Um, so that, that's pretty standard, and, and we follow that philosophy. On top of that, as you get 
as companies get more mature and are around and have employees hitting those kinds of milestones uh, beyond a year, two years, three years, um, you can either lean on an annual performance review process to issue bonus grants. So based on someone's performance score, they might get a grant that uh, increases their overall equity holdings. And each of those grants then has its own vesting schedule, usually about two years, and those start vesting immediately. And so that's kind of laddered and, and stacked on top. And then additionally, if someone changes roles or gets a promo, uh, they'll have an associated grant with that. And so over time, you have a bunch of like performance-related bonuses, you have your initial grant, uh, and then you might have refreshers as you hit certain milestones and you haven't had other adjustments. And so you end up with this you know, stacked calendar uh, of, of grants. And you ultimately, when you start to hit your time and you think about whether or not it's time to move on for the company, you start to make some of these calls about how much you've vested, how much you're leaving on the table and whether or not it's a good time to go or you want to stick around. And so the incentives are keep someone around as long as possible uh, and stack grants in a way such that there's always more to keep working towards. And hopefully it's uh, significant enough to warrant uh, to incentivize sticking around. Um, I've seen other approaches. A company I once worked at had a 10, 20, 30, 40 vesting schedule for the first four years. So you vest 10% on your first year, 20% of your equity on the second year, and then 30 and 40 for the third and fourth year, only on the calendar year, so not monthly vesting. So that really incentivizes long-term retention um, and disincentivizes leaving before you hit those marks. But uh, that can be pretty aggressive as well. Yeah, I'll um, mention my experience was um, different because we started out very much saying that we didn't intend to ever sell the company. And so equity ended up being not something that was actually seen as valuable after a certain point. But what we did to incentivize that and to tie back into ownership with the company was we um, weighed the amount of equity you had in the annual profit sharing that we did. And so like that was a way to pay out a little bit for staying and toward that overall profit that we made every year. Um, and I thought that was a good creative way because it was an, a way that equity was still vested and you were still earning toward that, but it, you also got that yearly bonus sort of tied into that bigger package and that bigger picture of equity. So I thought that was a creative way of annual incentivized um, incentivization. So that was, um, that was helpful too. Um, and we did see a lot of people do stock buybacks and encouraging, um, even buying into more equity um, as an option um, and things like that when we pulled in other investors throughout the the years. So yeah, there's I think there's a lot of really creative ways that you can tie into equity and even have that more of a, a, a dynamic incentive versus just sort of an annual thing or uh, just when you start. Yeah. So Ms., I think you had in your notes that Carta has some recommendations about this. What are what were some of the things you learned there? Yeah, they put out a blog post, I think about a year or two ago, on how they handle equity refresh. Um, and their overall strategy had the 10-year grants, uh, which is um, employees beyond their four-year cliff, they issued grants. Um, they rewarded top performers with performance grants based on actual performance, and then did annual adjustments based on um, whether or not the bent they were accurate to the benchmark. And so I think there were there were two vesting schedules. Uh, one was the traditional one, which is grants over a four-year schedule, over a four-year vesting schedule, and they all kind of stack starting at year two. 
Um, so after you've been there for two years, you get another four-year grant. And then the next year, you get another four-year grant. And those keep stacking. Um, and that, that's the pretty traditional approach. And then there's the boxcar approach, which was uh, fully vest your four-year uh, equity your new hire grant. And then beyond that, for each year, you get another additional grant each a year long. Uh, and that is a little bit more difficult to communicate according to their cons, but solves for uh, those big drop-offs that exist. It's a little bit more uh, distributed. I think something you pointed out when we started was we didn't want to have a golden handcuff strategy. We really wanted people to stay who wanted to be here, not who were uh, overwhelmingly financially incentivized to be here. And I think how we design uh, the grant vesting is is ultimately what determines that piece of the culture. Right. Yeah, there's always going, I, I think, especially in early stage, there's always going to be a, a drop-off. Like, it's literally a cliff in some ways. It's, it is very unlikely that somebody who started in year one is going to get an equity grant at year four that is equivalent in terms of value at that point. So I think there's always going to be that. I wonder... In the most abstract sense, and there's probably a reason why I don't really see people doing this, but in the most abstract sense, it seems like it's like signing a four-year contract where you're saying, I'm going to work here for four years. This is my comp package for those four years. And then at the end of those four years, there's like a renegotiation of what maybe another two-year deal or a four-year deal looks like based on the value of the company at that time. Um I don't think I've ever seen that happen, though. And I wonder on what basis you would determine how much equity to give people. So like, we'll use some arbitrary numbers would be a uh, person who joins in uh, like a standard number of shares that a company might have is 10 million. And let's say that a relatively early employee has 100,000 shares those vests over the course of four years and the value of those shares is is like effectively zero at the time that they join let's say at year two is when you'd have your first refresher uh conceptually how do you do you give them that based on like if we were to hire a new person for this role we would give them this amount of equity um and how does this tie into because we already have the normal cost of labor adjustment and so they're they're already going to be adjusted regardless of the equity refresher concept so i think i just i have a i have a hard time understanding do early people get cost of labor adjustments to bring them to parity and then some extra for some somewhat seemingly arbitrary reason or is there something i'm missing about that I think generally the practice is to put them at at sort of what you would be giving someone new coming into the company. And I mean, technically, usually the the thing is that most of the time someone new coming into the company would probably get more of whatever that is. And so that ideal is that you're rewarding that longer term employee by giving them something that is then at the level of what the market is at that point. Um, there's some risk with that too, because the market can go down for whatever reason or even valuation going down. So um, like, it's a bit of a gamble, but I think that the piece that I would say is that like by 
pegging it to the, the current market, then at least you're relying on like that data versus any past data or um, something else that otherwise might be just not as reliable or accurate in that moment. So I think like there's there's potential risk with that, with just the market variability, but I think that that's still the most reliable anchor that you have. One of the many things that we do with Levels is create content about metabolic health. The main thing that we do is we have an app. The Levels app pairs with the continuous glucose monitor so you can track your glucose in real time. More than 40,000 people have used Levels to lose weight, gain energy, and increase longevity. You can see how things like food, sleep, exercise, stress, and environmental factors affect your metabolic health. And Levels is backed by some of the best thought leaders in the world, including Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Robert Lustig, and Dr. Mark Hyman, amongst others. To learn more about Levels and track your blood sugar in real time, join Levels at levels.link company. I think what we heard from some of the calls that we did as well was the refresher grant after two years, so two years in, was usually about 15 to 20% of the initial hire grant. And so if you stack those over every two years. Um, that's how that adds up. And so it's not like, I mean, the approach of at year four, sign a new four-year contract as if it was a fresh hire um, is probably the most progressive I've heard. Um, it might be out there. And, and obviously, I think we have the examples. And I guess the numbers over four years would would kind of even out if you're doing 20% every two. Yeah, it just uh, where I'm struggling to understand it, at least just conceptually. So let's say you join somebody joins in, like an early employee for easy numbers, a hundred thousand shares at ten cents each, so like ten thousand dollars worth of shares and a hundred thousand dollar a year salary. So basically, a hundred and ten in total comp over four years, four hundred and forty for the comp package. But as the company gets bigger, as the stakes go up, as it starts to do well. Maybe your average comp package for that role goes from 110 a year to 150 a year. And so then that person is given just the normal annual adjustment for cost. Like if you were to rehire for this role and now their compensation is whatever I said, 140, 150. Um, is that on top of the refresher concept or is that the refresher? I would say that's on top of the refresher. So the refresher is separate from the kind of inversion grant that brings them up to par for the cost of labor adjustment or the new hire adjustment. Well, let's, let me do some quick math here. So let's say, let's say, all right, and the average is like 15%. So let's say in two years, the company is now worth meaningfully more, and it's actually more like $10 a share which means that we are we've already increased their uh their compensation through cost of labor uh to get it to whatever is normal so i'll call that we'll say it's it's up to 150k as their base compensation uh of of stock equity of, of equity and cash however we want to split those up but then if we do this 15% idea then that effectively means that we're giving them 15,000 shares at $10 a share 
which is an extra $150,000 a year in compensation. So like we're basically doubling their comp every time we give them an equity refresher. Is that a fair statement? I would say that's the gamble part of, not gamble so much, that's the investment part of um, equity. And the idea that it is for everyone's good to make the company more valuable so that those rewards that you are um, investing in and then further rewarded with at different periods um, is worth more. So I think that that's the intention. Let me give two equal hypotheticals here. So let's say we have the same person, $100,000 salary when you start and 100,000 shares at 10 cents. So 110. Now, over time, the company starts doing well. It's maybe $10 a share now. And so the compensation, let's say this role is now 150K in compensation per year. So 600 over four years. But because of the value of the shares, let's say we do an equivalent of $10,000. So maybe we didn't say 20,000. So they're getting 130K in cash and they're getting $20,000 worth of shares, right? Now that comes out to, uh, that's just divided by 10. So that's 20,000 divided by 10. They're getting 2,000 shares, right? So a new person that you hire today gets a 2,000 share grant or a 2,000 share uh, options package. And the person who was here earlier, all, who already has 100,000 shares, is getting 15,000 shares on top of it as this refresher concept. This is where I'm getting a little bit stuck is that they've already taken the 100,000 share gamble. So why is the refresher not proportional to new hires? Why is it as a percentage of their existing ownership? That's where I'm struggling. I have one thing to add that might add context to. I don't know if I, I think I missed mentioning this earlier is that in those boxcar grants where they've, they're they stacked, they're actually granted two years ahead of when they start vesting. Uh, so the you issue them in advance and then whatever growth happens over time is the employee's gain, but the amount is granted every two years, two years in advance. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me make sure I understand this. So the idea is like, let's say you have a four-year compensation package and uh at the two-year mark you're basically adding a two-year extension onto that you so see you're not you're not overlapping them you're just adding two years on top of that is that the idea you're getting an additional grant that starts vesting after two years so at your two-year mark you get a grant that starts vesting at year five right and, right. That and value so you're getting in those two years is yours yeah so you're getting you're getting today's valuation two years from now is that the idea exactly yep okay i mean that that seems like a reasonable approach is the i think where what i wonder on that is where you peg that equity is that is that in the, would you basically say all right if we were to hire a new engineer today what equity package would we give them and then we'll just basically tack that on to the two years following the cliff at, at the at four years or would we say like 
it'll just be X percentage of your current vesting schedule. I think it's the four-year value divided by four split out over four years. So if your upfront salary is 100K, then your years five through eight is an additional 100K in 25K increments or whatever the updated four-year salary is. So you are effectively getting a second grant over the course of the next four years. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just wondering the where that second grant is, what that's indexed on. Is it indexed on your existing ownership, this like 15% of your current mm. vesting concept? Or is it is it a, if we were to hire for this role today, what would that compensation package be? And then you add onto the end of the uh, their existing comp package. <laughs> The second one sounds uh, more correct than yeah. than the fifteen to twenty percent on the arbitrary um, starting salary or comp package. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wonder where where does the fifteen or like the, the percentage based on what does that even come from? Because that seems yeah, that, that seems was strange to me. A, kind of like a typical. Here's what we see when we were asking for some advice from our network. Um, so I don't know yeah. how rooted in the data that is, but that was the offhand gut reaction. Yeah, totally. And like, that was a thing that I heard when I was asking people. And that's why I also asked for us to do a call on this because I don't understand it. <laughs> so yeah, because it, it seems really weird that people should get more ownership simply based on tenure and not on any other metric, right? Like just because you have more, you would get a bigger percentage going forward forever. Um, I don't know. It seems to also skew like it would skew the calculation that we would have to do around. Is this person adding sufficient value to the company based on what their compensation rate is? Because that new equity grant would be significantly larger. And it would be really hard to justify that person at the company if they're making if they're in a $150,000 a year role, but because of it, an arbitrary refresher, they're actually making two or three times that amount. I mean, I'll push back from a broader perspective as far as um, anything like that is tenure related should be put in the context of we just don't have, we, we push for that high talent and the keeper test and making sure that there isn't anyone here that would just end up getting tenure by skating through. Um, and so... It, it the the date might be an arbitrary thing that helps us make sure that this thing is implemented, but we still have that operation and understanding that no one should be here unless we genuinely feel like they are performing at the level that pushes everyone higher and pushes the business farther. So um, I I think that we have to keep those together and and make sure that if there are people that hit a tenure and and we have this conversation that that's a, a a different conversation in and of itself. Let me know if this this sounds like a reasonable path forward. If we, uh, I think this idea of uh, if if we're calling boxcar vesting is that the idea that you just sort of tack that on to the end of their existing contract as opposed to layering them two years in advance. That's right. Yeah, that seems like a reasonable approach. So, like every two year cycle. Uh, at the two-year mark, that would be a time to basically make them a new compensation offer for what the, assuming we were hiring for that role today, 
what would we offer that person? And then that would that would be their offer for two years from now. Does that sound right? That's right. Cool. Well, that that sounds that sounds fair. It's because it also has to be fair to new people who are joining, and that sounds fair to me on the the, the trade offs that you'd have to make around that. Um, Is that disadvantage in any way? Is there any are there any assumptions baked in there that the benchmark salary will go up over time? Um, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the cost of labor adjustment. And so I think the answer is like, by the time two years comes around, that number may be different. Uh, like the cost of labor could have gone up. And I think that's reasonable. Like we already do an, an automatic adjustment for that. So yeah. yeah, I don't think there's any issue there. The important thing is that it's it's uh, it's pretty demoralizing for new people to join and see that people who are not performing as well as they are are making meaningfully more money than them. And so I think this arbitrary percentage concept, I, I can kind of understand the justification in as much as like, if you don't want them to leave, you don't want their compensation numbers to go from like vesting a million dollars a month to vesting $25,000 a month. But I think that's just kind of unavoidable, honestly. Like if that, if they were super early and that's how much, because they took that risk, then that's great. But if, if they are, if they are sufficiently valuable to the company that you want to give them some amount of, are they worth $400,000 a month to the company in equity? I think that's a separate decision to be made, not something related to the boxcar vesting. That's like a, that's more of a performance-based consideration. Does that sound, does that sound right? Yeah. Should we explore the concept that you proposed of kind of the four-year contract sports approach? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's actually not that different than the boxcar approach, assuming that we anchor it on, we're going to basically present to you a new compensation offer. That's maybe two years instead of four years. Um, because you, you don't want to wait until it basically expires to then have that conversation. <laughs> and so that feels like a reasonable cadence for it. One of the challenges of the, of the call of the sports analogy approach is that uh, the, because employment is at will in, in both directions, like people can be fired, people can leave the sports analogy. One basically assumes that they will be on the team for four years. And that is not a guarantee in this context. It is, it is in sports contractually. They, they're not allowed to play for any other team. They're only able to play for your team. So I think that's, uh, there are some some ways in which the metaphor breaks down in those contracts. Yeah, the primary difference between them, they are relatively similar, is just when the grant is issued. Um, whether it's, but I think the more interesting question there is um, rehiring someone at the four year mark, right? So we could do that exercise at the one year mark if someone has has started and onboarded and they've been around. Would you rehire them today and ask that question? But at the four year mark, if you're going to hire someone for another four years, is that an exercise to run? Or is that just baked into the performance review process and totally independent of grants and equity? 
which I think is probably the answer. Yeah, I think that's the answer for sure. Cool. So do we know what we're doing with that? The bunch of our folks who are hitting their their four years, um, our challenge is that we didn't do anything two years ago. uh, And so we might need to do some some work backwards and then figure out what's fair. But otherwise, we do have somewhat of an approach moving forward. Yeah, we can we can work backwards. I mean, we have like the linear values of these things, so it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to calculate. Um, I'm sure Riley has all of that information. But yeah, I feel pretty good about that approach. It feels fair to new people coming on. It keeps the value pretty consistent. That seems like a, a good approach to me. Mm-hmm.